This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. is your host, Darren Hood. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join me on today. And as always, a very special welcome to those of you that are joining the podcast that are tuning in for the very first time. Glad to have you. And we're hoping to share something today that will help further your journey in the world of user experience. Tonight, we're going to do another UX potpourri session as I I sat trying to think, okay, what are we going to address this week? What's critical? And it was a very slow week on social media for me. I actually took a step back because it's uh, I, I get bombarded and sometimes I just need to take a step back and just relax for a bit because it's it's not the, how can I say, the most energetic of circles, social media today. Uh, and, and I know for some people it's fantastic and in general, it's great. It, it's, we would not know a lot of the people that we know today had it not been for social media. We would not be as far along as we are without social media. Unfortunately, when it comes to social media, a lot of people forget that it's called social media and the social expertise and the emotional intelligence that's on display is quite wanting And for that reason, sometimes I just have to take a couple steps back. I know other people who do the same thing. It just got to get away for a little bit because it's just not always the healthiest of places to be. The interactions are not always great. There's a lot of people that don't have any any grace or civility about them whatsoever. And sometimes you just got to you just got to step away. And so last week I sort of. Without announcing it, I, I started announcing it recently, but I didn't announce it, but I just took a couple of steps back because I just wanted to just just have some quiet time. We had the holiday, want the rest of the holiday. Uh, and it's funny, I get messages from people all over the world all the time. Uh, and a lot of people did not realize or didn't think that it was a holiday in America. And I, I, I stepped away. I just so I didn't get back to people quickly. Sometimes, folks, you just need to do that. So if you ever feel like you need to do that, don't let anybody make you feel bad. You need to get away sometime. I know I have to do it. And I know other people that do it again. And so you got to do what you got to do. Um, so as I sat and I started thinking, OK, what are we going to do tonight? And I, I said all that to say what I'm about to get into. I, I did observe some things on social media over the course of the last week. And when I sat and started giving some thought about what to do, I said, you know what? Let's let's have another UX potpourri session where we're just talking about this big mixed bag of things. And I remember a conversation recently. I heard someone, one of my well-respected peers in in UX make a statement the person coined a phrase and I want to got to give Debbie Levitt the shout out on this because she she referred to what some of the people in their social media exploits and some of their their trolling 
some of the ways that they choose to refer to other people, the way that they try to represent things that are happening on social media, they talk about concepts really that aren't, they don't really exist. They talk about people that don't really exist. They talk about scenarios that have really been blown out of proportion. These parts are my words. I'll get to what Debbie said in a moment. They, they blow things out of proportion. They hyperbolize. Same thing, I know. Just want to make sure we're covering all grounds of communicating effectively. I want people to hear what I'm saying here today. They present these situations and they make it sound like there's this sense of urgency that's requiring some great response and that there's that they speak as if there's some great injustice that needs to be addressed. And the word that Debbie used to refer to some of these types of situations that I take, I mean, it's just, it was brilliant. And, and in that the way it describes what people are doing is perfect. And she referred to people who are talking about what she coined as the UX boogeyman. There are people who are trying to paint pictures of things that are happening and things that people are doing that folks, it just ain't so. And, and we need to, if we're going to remember that UX is really a discipline that's roughly 20 years old in mainstream America, 20 years as we know it, approximately. And there is, it, it requires a lot of maintenance. It requires people having certain, certain skills, certain knowledge, certain acumen where people need to bring value to the table. And we're also not understood. UX is not understood by a lot of people. And a lot of those people are not willing to admit that they don't understand certain things. And in the process where they continue to just behave as if they understand, but don't really understand, there's a lot of, of damage left in the in the wake of where these people travel to excel in ux we need certain competencies and these competencies a lot of people who want to be in ux either don't have the competencies have no interest in developing the competencies and these people for some reason they love creating these these scenarios that don't exist they have these fictitious people in some cases. I'll, I'll, I'll explain shortly. They, they, they come up with these people that are just running around with fangs blaring and, and just creating all types of problems, not helping anybody, things of this nature. And these people try to create the picture that someone is getting in their way, keeping them from being in US, keeping them from having UX positions. And when you listen to what folks are saying and what they are describing, folks, it's time for critical thinking. We're, we're talking about a discipline that in the midst of the competencies, critical thinking is one of them. And so when people just start to say things and someone recently made this kind of a um, behavior very popular where you just say something and it's true because somebody said it, no proof, no, no evidence, no 
no substance whatsoever, just say it, and scaring people, and then they get people to respond, fear-mongering, they get people to respond and behave based on the fear that they generate under false pretense. Folks, this is not good for UX folks. This is, this is not a good thing. Uh, let, let, me, let me share with you what somebody said. I'm going to read exactly what someone said. And I responded to this post on LinkedIn. And when I started off, I said, there's a lot to unpack here and I'm only going to address a few. Well, I've decided to talk about everything that I didn't say in my reply on my show. It's really sad when people say things like what I'm about to share and don't even realize what they're creating, what they're the seeds they're planting in the hearts and minds of people when they say things like this. I'm going to share some of these things and I'm going to shoot them down. But I want to point it out, especially from a perspective of helping to illustrate how you can't have this kind of mindset. You can't believe these kinds of things. And you can't try to engage in fighting the battles that these types of people are fighting because, folks, you're shadow boxing. There's nobody out there doing these things. So when people try to stand for a cause that doesn't exist and then you invest in fighting a battle that doesn't exist, what does that make you? It's critical thinking time, folks. Listen to this. The person said, I've identified a gap between the complaints of aspiring and junior level UXers and senior UXers. Now, this is interesting that the person says that they've identified a gap and they they speak about the complaints of aspiring and junior UX and senior UXers as if this is something that warrants anybody's consideration. And, and we're talking about somebody that hasn't been doing UX very long. So if you haven't been doing UX very long and you're trying to cite a situation that is supposedly valid, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to bring some substance to the table first and foremost. Number one, senior UXers are not complaining. So the person is already framing this thing that they're addressing as if it's real. It's already been established from the beginning. This is not even worth talking about (laughs) at all was I'm sort of trying to call out, but I couldn't do it there, but I'm doing it here. And if somebody has an issue with this, fine, but I'm still going to call it out because we need to be better than this. The person goes on, first they start off about complaints among junior and senior UXers. Are junior UXers complaining? Yeah, they are. Uh, Are senior UXers complaining? No, we're not. We're trying to help people to understand what they need to do to be better and to excel at the discipline. These aren't complaints. These are trying to inform people about standards. We're trying to to instruct people about the importance of competencies, techniques, methods, methodologies, attitudes, things of that nature that will help you to be what you ought to be. That's not a complaint. It's a statement of authority. So you can't make that statement and act like we're going head to head. And I've participated in talks where we talk about things like that and try to clear up the fact that this is not seniors versus uh, juniors. This is not what's going on in UX. UX is UX. Seniors are seniors, juniors are juniors. What we have is a bunch of people in the discipline 
who don't really want to own up to any standards. Many of them don't even want any standards. And when anybody tries to establish or communicate about a standard or the accountability that should exist in UX, they label us as gatekeepers, not even knowing that that's a sign of ignorance when someone makes such a declaration. And I won't get into that tonight. We'll be talking about that in the not too distant future. Folks, you have to become competent. That's just a fact. I don't care if you were flipping burgers at a fast food joint. You have to become competent at that. There's no discipline on the face of the earth where competence is not welcome. But yet, the people who don't want to be accountable in UX are trying to establish anarchy as a standard. I even heard someone else. I mentioned some other things I heard on social media recently. Someone said, and I'm I'm known for saying that UX is both art and science, but it's mostly science. And a person came into, I believe it was my post, and said something to the extent, they thought they were adding to the discussion, but the person said, uh, UX is mostly art or all art. There's no science. UX is not a science at all. I'm like, wow, this is somebody, if you don't think UX is a science, you don't know what UX is. You know, I really feel for the people who feel like all they need to do is learn Figma and they're good to go in UX. You're not ready to do practically anything in UX if all the UX work you do is based and dependent upon tools. UX is a tool agnostic discipline and it is full of science. Matter of fact, as you grow in the discipline, you continue to become more and more of a scientist and you're depending upon science. And I mean, do you realize the word science simply means knowledge, folks? For goodness sake. <laughs> so you say that UX is not science. Do you realize that you're saying that UX doesn't require knowledge? This is, it's interesting the things that people who want to be in UX say and do. Now, consider this a rant night. But let, let's get back into this, this post. I thought I'd share a few things there. This, is, this post, not good, folks. He said, the former, speaking on how boot camps sell lies and how most jobs are mid to senior level, asking for the experience that can never be attained because no one hires entry level. Stop. I have hired entry level people in the past. Number one. So number one, this person doesn't know. The person only has three years of history in the discipline. If you've only been around for three years, more power to you, wishing you all the best. But there's a lot about UX you don't know. You, you haven't been around. I was hired as an entry-level person at one time in my career. I know other people who were hired as entry-level people at some time in their career. I have interviewed and hired entry-level people. How be it? Even though I've done it, I've seen it, I've seen ads, I have shared job postings on a regular basis for entry-level positions, what people need to know is that a lot of people who are coming into UX have been sold a bill of goods by boot camps, by other people who are wishing them all the best and things of that nature, that there's this plethora of entry-level positions. If you're coming into UX today, welcome to the journey, but know and understand 
Entry-level positions are far and few between, not just in UX, but in every every discipline in the world because entry-level people have a lower value proposition that they bring to the table and companies are trying to get work done unless they're expanding their teams or backfilling for another entry-level role. There are not going to be a lot of opportunities. Think about Google hiring over, or or I'm sorry, graduating over 300,000 people from their program into a market that has very few entry-level positions. Folks are coming into these boot camps and these programs like the Google program sold a bill of goods and not told of the realities of what's going on in the job search market. And then you hear people complaining about the lack of entry-level positions and say, companies need to start opening more positions. They need to start hiring more entry-level. They need to do, they need to do. And they don't hear the selfishness. They don't hear the gross lack of realism in their voices. Folks do not need to start offering more entry-level positions because you are in need of an entry-level position. It simply isn't realistic, folks. It's not going to happen that way. If there's a shortage of of engineering entry-level positions and a person went to school and they find a hard hard route or hard path, a tough path to finding positions, you don't get out and then just want to start a campaign and say more companies should have entry-level roles. You can't do that. And again, it doesn't matter what the position is. Folks, that's not a realistic frame of mind to be in. And when you came in the UX, you should have known that there's a shortage of available entry-level positions. But the folks who whose program you signed up for, they didn't tell you that. <laughs> Matter of fact, some of them promise that you're going to get a job. But when you graduate from their programs, you're not ready. You're not ready to take on anything other than an entry-level role, and there are not a lot of entry-level roles available. Now, again, you want to be in UX? Great. But be ready to to deal with the hardships that await, of which entry-level positions, the lack thereof, is one of the realities you have to deal with. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing the mindset, how the mindset that some people have gets translated into this this emergency, this dire situation. Uh, Folks, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Not to mention the fact, and I say this all the time, it's tough getting that first entry-level gig. It's more important to be ready. I mean, a lot of people say, I want a job, I want a job, I want a job. If there were a whole bunch of companies that were hiring for entry-level roles, truth is, a lot of folks still aren't ready. So it's not about the availability of jobs or the lack of availability of jobs. It's about being ready for the UX jobs. So let's shift your energy. That's my recommendation to you. I I just thought of another uh, little interaction I had on LinkedIn over the weekend here where uh, I was talking about, again, the same topic about being ready for these opportunities that come up and how the people should have they should make make sure that your desire 
to be excellent is greater than your desire for a job because if your desire for a UX job exceeds your commitment to excellence, you can get the job, eh, but you may not have it very long because you don't have the work ethic that's required to excel and bring the value that the company needs. There was another post where I was talking about the phrase where people are always saying, you know, I'm trying to break into UX and I, that that saying always ruffled my feathers a little bit and I, I couldn't always put my finger on it. I just knew I didn't, I didn't like it. And it, it hit me one day as I gave it some additional thought. It was really like a Freudian slip that the phrase break in the way that they were talking about it is really talking about it, it, it's akin to someone who's trying to force their way into something they don't have authority to be a part of. It, it's like burglary, like breaking in, like like a like like somebody who's trying to steal something. And and I talked about the Freudian slip associated with that. You know, I wasn't trying to break into UX when I got in. I was trying to land my first gig. And I know some people will say it might be splitting hairs or such. Well, you might want to take a closer look at what a Freudian slip is. And, and there were a couple of interesting responses to that. One person said, well, I think of it as breaking in shoes. That's more of a toxic positivity oriented mindset because they're trying to break in as someone who's trying to get in something. Not somebody who's, who, when you're trying to break in shoes, you already have the shoes. So that, that metaphor didn't work. But this is somebody who didn't want to look at it from the perspective that I was presenting. And this is the other thing too. This old junior versus senior is such a myth. It's such a mirage. It's such a joke. But people don't want to hear what the seniors have to say because they don't want to be accountable to it. When we were first coming up in the UX, we were not afraid to do the work to build our acumen, to build our skill, to build our, our competency level. We weren't afraid to do it. A lot of people today are to the point that when you, when they come face to face with truth, they put spins on it. And then that's where all this stuff with the UX boogeyman comes into, comes into play because they, they've imagined something, they've added a concept, you make a statement and they change your words to say what they wanted to say and then they react to what they said you said instead of what you actually said and then they make a campaign or to create a campaign out of that. Folks, this is it's just silly stuff. At any rate, uh, so that person said that statement. I said, no, it's exactly as I said it was. Go do that. Go and go and build your acumen. Go and build your skill. Go and become more competent. And when you do that, you'll be better equipped and to, to take on the roles and opportunities as they come up. And another person made a statement in reply to that post. And the person said, no more breaking in. Open the door to UX. And I think the person was talking about open the door. And I believe they were speaking in conjunction to the the, having the key and then opening the door. And, and, but I, I, I wanted to make sure, cause I know somebody's going to come along. They're going to hear what the person said in a completely different light. So I wanted to sort of reel that in before it started happening. And I said, the door is always open, but many people disqualify themselves or have unrealistic expectations and then blame others. And I said, it's not a good look. This is that attitude that needs to, it, it needs to be abandoned. And UX because it's not doing anything for the people who are embracing these attitudes. You know, when people say that nobody is hiring entry level people, 
That's not true. But what's sad is there are people who were saying, saying it, and then folks believe it, and then they embrace it, and they get this attitude, even though folks are saying that, yeah, entry-level people are being hired. I can introduce you to, to, to entry-level people that I have played a part in hiring. It, it, but you can't go out crying wolf. That's the one I, I, I love what Debbie said about the boogeyman. They go, these things go together. But you got these people that are crying wolf and you got people that are paying attention and, and that's creating the problems. So, so please, please, please try to steer clear of these divisive uh, uh, um, bouts of rhetoric that are making their rounds on social media. It's not good. It's not helping anybody. Uh, the people who are saying all these things have no data to back it up. And then when you join in to something for which there is no data, you're joining in with a mirage. You're playing part of the emperor's new clothes game. The, remember the old fable about the naked guy who was going around and everybody wanted to tell him how great he looked, but he was actually naked. Uh, we've got a lot of that going on in UX today. And folks, it needs to cease. But let, let, let's look at a little bit more of this wayward post. So he said, the former speaking on boot camps, I read this part, I'm reading it again for a reason, about how most jobs are mid to senior level. So the former, based on the way the person's written, maybe they said something wrong, was talking about the junior uh, level UXers. Maybe that is what some of them, I've heard some of them say that, and when I hear them say it, I shoot it down. Uh, <laughs> so it's funny. And here's, here's the part I didn't address, because I stopped at one point. He said, many of the senior lead positions have in the description that you need to be ready to mentor juniors. So how are there juniors if there are never any openings for those levels? Doesn't that imply that the company has juniors? Folks, as a hiring manager, I know this. Other people who either are a hiring manager or know a hiring manager, you know this. When, you, when someone leaves the company, you don't usually backfill with a position at a lower level. And one of the main reasons that you do that is that if you hire, say you have a mid to senior level person who leaves your company, when you're backfilling that role, if you downgrade and say, you know what, we're gonna do it at entry level, depending upon where you work, not only will that person who comes in, you have to hold their hand more, you have to guide them more. It's going to take time away from everybody on the team to help that person out. And folks, that costs money. And when you've got projects that you're working on and deadlines, nobody's got time for that. This is something that the, the folks who want the entry-level folks to get hired have absolutely seemingly no consciousness of whatsoever. So that's a really poor proposition that they're already putting on the table. But here's the other thing. If you... If you decide to downgrade that role yeah it is a downgrade face it it's a downgrade if you downgrade that role you could lose that budget for that for that headcount you could lose that amount of money in your budget and may never be able to get it back so then say the entry-level person because you know a lot of entry-level here's something else people don't know a lot of entry-level people come to companies uh, somebody helps them level up their game and then they leave and go to another company to get more money and they do it really, really quick. So a lot of companies are not really quick to bring in entry-level people because entry-level people are not committed 
And if you bring them in and they don't stay, you have wasted all of that money, not to mention the fact that it costs anywhere from forty to $80,000 of manpower to replace that person when they leave. So all of these people who are crying, higher entry level, higher entry level, and they don't understand how business works, are really letting you know another reason that they <laughs> you, you might not want to, I'm going to uh, expose somebody here, but it is what it is. You might not want to hire that person because they don't understand how business works. And if you don't understand how business works, and it's the job of the UX professional to, to find the sweet spot between user needs, business needs, and constraints, guess who's going to have a hard time finding a sweet spot? You got it. That individual. Folks, wake up up wake up so well, obviously if they're hiring someone and they want them to mentor juniors they're already juniors on staff so that means that somebody hired them that means that there was a position just because you didn't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist so just just this is silly stuff but the latter as he goes on speaking on how boot camps sell lies and how people are disillusioned when it comes to being able to get into the field while also recognizing that UX is a relatively new discipline, and he says by name, not by function, and has only recently had collegiate programs designed for them, period, which is funny because that, that didn't even sound like the end of the sentence, but I'll address it anyway. Uh, number one, it's, not, it, it's relatively new from the perspective that it's 20 years. That's new, especially when you compare it to other disciplines. Uh, we are always the baby in the room. When you come into a room, a multidisciplinary team, and there's anywhere from five to 12 disciplines represented in that meeting, UX is always the one that has been around the least amount of time. It's always the one that, that is the only one in the room that is not understood by somebody in the room, which means that you need somebody in there that knows how to represent the discipline. And if you don't, that is going to have detrimental impact on your attempts to move forward and getting the work done. Just calling this stuff out, folks. So, so, so at any rate, that's just something that needs, that's not really reflected. The knowledge of that is not reflected in this statement. Uh, but the part about um, that there's only recently have we had collegiate programs designed for them. I don't think the person understands the history behind that. Uh, and, and there's very few programs. I mean, there, there's some truth to what he's getting at here. There are very few programs and of the collegiate programs available for UX, um, a lot of them are not very well designed, not very well uh, taught. The curriculums are not solid. They're, a lot of the uh, college programs are actually afraid of boot camps now and have started to market in a way to try to offset boot camps or compete with boot camps. Uh, and, and that's just really, that, that's really sad. We don't have, and when you have quality, you don't need to compete with boot camps. Do you think that the folks at Bentley or the folks at, at Rolls-Royce are trying to compete with other brands of automobiles or are they just rolling out the quality that they know their target audience wants with absolutely no real concern. The folks at Lamborghini don't care. If you want a Lamborghini, you're going to buy a Lamborghini and they roll it out there. They don't even advertise. And, and that same mindset is applicable here. We don't care what's going on with the boot camps. 
It's about giving people a good learning experience because you only want the people that are committed anyway. And, and why should we, and I'm part of academia, I'm a, I am a college professor, why should we lower ourselves? Yes, I said it. Why should we lower ourselves to carry ourselves to worry about competing with programs with a poor pedagogy for why should we worry about competing with programs that it is impossible to fail? Do you know people don't fail out of boot camps? There is no accountability. Have money, will travel. You pay the tuition, you are in. And there is nothing to hold you back and they are gonna pass you no matter what, whether you are competent or not. They are going to pass you through that program. Don't you realize what that says about the quality of the education? you're going to get. So why should I be worried about competing? That's like saying that BMW is going to communi- is going to uh um uh, compete with Yugo. Anybody remember Yugo? Or or BMW is going to compete with with uh with some other little little whatever brand of automobiles out there that that only people who really don't have any money are are diving into. And, and then they're the boot camps are doing this and they're charging you seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. You know what? The show wasn't about boot camps. <laughs> so we're not gonna get in that. There's another episode where I, I go through that in, in great detail. But it's a major rant today. I will I will admit that. So yes, collegiate programs are recent for the most part, but they do exist. And so if you are interested in spending that money, if you don't have a problem spending that money and you want to get an education that does have accountability built into it, that's the way to go. Not to go through Coursera. I don't care whose Coursera program it is. They all have peer grading and peer grading. I love how somebody said in a conversation recently takes us all the way back to the fifth grade. Do you realize how non-viable that is? Do you realize, I guess I'll talk about the boot camps again for a minute. Do you realize that one of the things that, that cheapens the UX discipline in the eyes of many people is things like the boot camps? Because the boot camps and what they're peddling, what they're selling, you know what it's what it's akin to? Have you ever been up late at night and seen commercial, this is more common in the States, I think, than for folks who are abroad, who are over in Europe or overseas in Africa and in other places in India. Uh, you might not see these, but there are these TV commercials and they come on in the middle of the night where people are trying to encourage you to enroll in their programs that sound just like boot camps to either become a nurse, a doctor's aide, uh, or to learn how to work on air conditioning systems or repair automobiles. And you can go through this program in six to nine months and it only costs you this and we guarantee you a job. You know, the boot camps sound exactly like those programs. And so when they started doing that and people started seeing it and then they look at those programs and they look back at the people doing UX, these are some of the things that we are having to deal with out here. So for those of you who want to go on little pseudo rants like this person did on social media, make sure you have your facts straight. Make sure you understand what we're really saying. Am I complaining or am I citing facts? 
Tell the truth. Stop misrepresenting it. Stop stop giving these boogeyman uh, sermons, if you will, out here and tell people what's really going on. And and any rate, this it gets worse. This thing gets worse. They said that there's an. Uh, they also cite. And I think the person's actually talking about me when they said this because I'm one of the few people that even does this. He said that uh, that we cite there's an overall lack of UX maturity. Uh, there is. So what's the point? <laughs> there is a lack of UX maturity, uh, discipline wide, individual wide. Uh, from a from a company wide perspective, there's a lack of UX maturity all over the place. So that's just the that's just the way it is. And then the person made another point too, which takes us back to boot camps. They said this is what created the lack of programs, collegiate programs, or just being being designed. That this is what created the window of opportunity for the boot camp. No, it didn't. It didn't. And this is somebody again with three years of experience. Doesn't it can't even tell you when the boot camp started, I'm sure. And that's not created the window of opportunity for boot camps. What created the window of opportunity for boot camps is that boot camps came along, they started in 2011 when there was this boom of UX available UX positions, some which were entry level, by the way, <laughs> and there weren't enough qualified people to fill these roles. And so some people wanted to learn, but they didn't want to go to college. They didn't want to pay for degrees. There were degree programs available by that time. And there were a lot of them online. I remember going through and evaluating when I first went to Syracuse. And I saw a lot of programs out there. Other people could have done the same exact thing that I did. It wasn't like there was this, this dearth of programs, they were readily available. There weren't a lot of them, but they were readily available. What created the opportunity was that people decided to look at this from a free enterprise perspective. They decided to do it from a capitalist perspective and they decided, hey, there's a demand and there's no supply. People don't want to go to university. Let's create a shorter program that doesn't cost as much. We can draw people to our programs. So these are people who didn't know anything about UX, but saw an opportunity to make money. And that's how the boot camps got created. So what this person said is false, is very misleading. Then they did the too long, did not read and said, my question, why isn't there more of a personal initiative to create more internships? That doesn't solve the problems he just mentioned. Why aren't there more junior positions? That doesn't create or solve the problem that he just addressed. Ways for people to be trained up to cultivate more UX maturity. That's not how UX maturity is cultivated. And, and this doesn't, this creating these positions isn't what does it. And then he says, from my perspective and experience, mind you, which is only three years, only the people inside can change a culture. Huh? It, it, it's a little bit more complex than that because it's not just the UX people. It also takes people at the C-suite. It takes people in leadership. It takes the champions for UX within an organization. And we, we impact one another from organization to organization. So what goes on in one company does affect and can and will affect 
the UX culture at another organization. So he says only to people inside, but that's only true to an extent. And people need to understand that. He's wrong. He hasn't been working on this for years. I have. And I know exactly how it's done. So to hear and see this, it was really, it saddened me. And then he says, wouldn't it make sense for user experience designers to have designed the best user experience within its own discipline? This is just, this is all just, it's gobbledygook. It's all gobbledygook, folks. It's really sad stuff. Um, And when people, when people buy things like this, solutions will never be found. When people, when people buy into thoughts like this, thought processes like this, when people are willing to just drink the Kool-Aid of anything that they're served, nothing of note is going to come out of it. So I, I challenge everybody today, those of you who do listen to, to the World of UX podcast, Folks, this is about critical thinking. This is about making sure, make yourself a committee of one to do the best you can for this discipline. Make sure that you represent the discipline properly. Make sure that you always strive to grow. Make sure that you commit to lifelong learning, which is working in user experience. That, that's something that you must do in order to thrive. Rid yourself of the boogeyman mentality. There's nobody out here that's trying to stop people from getting positions. There's nothing going on. No, no companies. Don't, don't cry wolf. You know, lose the, the cry wolf mentality. There, there's nobody out here that's going to sit up and just create UX positions just because you want them. You know, and the other uh, uh, 80,000 types of disciplines and positions in the world, we're, we're not going to create anything for them. We're just going to create stuff for UX people. Sounds ludicrous now, doesn't it? When you really look at what folks are really saying. Let's embrace realism. Let's embrace emotional intelligence today so that we can be what we need to be for ourselves, for our teams, for our organizations, for our clients, for our stakeholders, for our users, for our customers. This is what we need to strive to do today. And when you really love the discipline, when you really care about the discipline, this is the mentality you will have. Again, no more crying wolf. No more UX boogeyman. It's time to end the trolling and trying to silence people that are actually saying what you need to hear. Let, let, let's, let's recognize that th this is real, folks. This is a real thing. Uh, but we're only going to excel at it when we embrace the reality of it, when we drop the Pollyanna mindset, when we, when we drop the, the toxic positivity and, and we realize, hey, there's a nail in my tire. I need to get the nail out. I need to do something about this tire. When we do that, we're going to be in a better position, folks. We're going to be in a better position and we're going to be happier for it. And you'll find yourself making less and less excuses and you'll find yourself playing less and less Matter of fact, eliminating the blame game. Get rid of the blame game. It's not doing you any good. It's not doing anybody you support any good. It's not doing any good for your users, your, your customers, your teams, nobody. This let's, let's embrace UX of a truth and represent it of a truth. So big rant today 
on this little potpourri segment. But folks, this and for God's sake, let's be social in social media, folks. Let's stop. Let's stop communicating in an irresponsible manner. Be willing to get into conversations with people. Be don't don't get personal. Don't think that it's personal. Don't take it personal when somebody doesn't agree with you. Uh, no, that's not what's happening. Nobody hates you. Nobody is saying anything. Stop ascribing tones to what people are saying when you don't know what the tone is in which they said it. We we need to be better, and we're going to be better when we learn how to support one another instead of creating these us versus them type of scenarios out here because it's not helping, folks. It simply isn't helping. So as a person that bends over backwards and makes all kinds of sacrifice to help, think I have the authority to make such a declaration so I'm doing it. Uh, We need to clean this up. So I hope folks are with me. So folks, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode of The World of UX, but it is time to sign off. So until next time, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX saying, happy UXing everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.